Hi, my name is Titi Mutendi and you are listening to Enterprising Families Podcast. Welcome to the world of Enterprising Families where we discuss the issues of governance, next gen and looking at how families of wealth and family businesses growing into families of wealth can preserve their wealth, become better as they go forward into a new generation. Hi everyone and welcome to this issue of Enterprising Families and in this episode of Enterprising Families I have Maya Prabhu and she is joining me to speak about children wealth and success especially focusing on the ages of children from three years old up to 22 years old and looking at how we can promote collaboration between siblings and really have children understanding what success and hardship and appreciating wealth really is in the context of things. And I am so excited to have you here. Welcome to the show, Maya. Thank you, Sitsi. It's a great pleasure to be here with you. And can you tell my audience a little bit about yourself so they know who it is that I'm talking to today? Yes, so I'm delighted to be here. I work in London at JP Morgan Private Bank, and my role is to help families think about and plan for the future of their wealth, to think about the meaning and purpose of their wealth. And so what that includes is uh, helping them on their philanthropy strategies, their wealth succession strategies, helping family-owned businesses um, work together and plan for the future. And so it's a great pleasure um, and a great privilege, actually, to also, through all of this, have the opportunity uh, to speak to our clients about how to teach their children uh, about wealth. And it's a common challenge that arises. I can imagine so, because at most times when it comes to talking about money, a lot of people are so uncomfortable about talking about money and more so with, with young children. And it happens that when children actually get to know about money is when they're coming into a, a large inheritance or when they're going into higher education and all of a sudden they have to deal with um, different topical subject at school like accounts or financial management but it's not always the case for uh, for children who don't take the business route or don't take such subjects in school now looking at the conversation which is money what do you think is the best age that parents should start having this conversation of what money is and what the understanding of wealth is with their children You know, you can start as early as children being three years old. And you'd say, well, how can you teach a three-year-old? The biggest thing is that that there are two aspects to think about. One is, what are some important money values that I want to convey uh, to my children? And the second thing is, what are some practical skills that they can learn? Because even though, you know, there are many lessons, you know, whether you do accounting or economics, that comes much later in life. And many people don't do those subjects. But money skills, practical money management skills on a day-to-day basis is one of those really important life skills um, for everyone to have. So I think you can start as early as, uh, as age three, and we can talk about what some of those strategies could be. Mm-hmm. That's what's my next question exactly. I'm thinking I have a three-year-old that is um, she's turning three in in the next few days, and she 
as every parent thinks, my child is smart. And obviously I think, <laughs> oh, she's, she's really, really smart. But where to start? How She, she has an appreciation of um, if you go to the shop, you, if you want to buy something, you need to have money. But are those the lessons that she really needs to learn immediately because she already learns that, she already knows that? Or is there strategies that I can actually use to make her conscious of money? Yes, I think, I think that's important because nowadays you see what children observe is when we want money, you take out a plastic card and you go to a machine and it gives you money. I mean, that's, that's, that's what you do. Or if you need to pay for something in a shop, all you do is take out a plastic card and you pay for it. Mm. So you see, there's no understanding created as a result of that, of you know, physically what money means um, and, and, and how you think about the value of money. So some sort of practical tips could be, for instance, just creating a, you know, the old fashioned, but I think still very useful piggy bank. And you can make a thing about, uh, you know, going to shop maybe and buying something that is uh, going to be a fun piggy bank or even making one at home. And this helps them when they have, you know, they receive some um, money for maybe special occasions or a birthday or something like that. Um, they can start to, you know, practice, uh, I suppose, putting money away. Mm -hmm. So you start to see how money psychologically you can, and physically you can see how money starts to accumulate. Likewise, on a shopping trip, um, you know, a really wonderful thing that a client told me uh, that they did the other day was he took his four-year-old son uh, to the shop and uh, the son had, you know, two pounds on him. Mm -hmm. And they had the whole conversation about, could I buy one car for two pounds? Or look at this, I could buy three cars uh, for 50p each and have 50p left over. Mm -hmm. So that, in a, in, a, in a very simple way, helps to think about choices. Do I buy one thing? Do I buy three things? And how do I make choices uh, like that? So just through everyday life, um, without making it a heavy, let's sit down and talk about money, you, you start to impart key skills mm -hmm. around um, a decision making around money. Mm. And what you're saying makes a lot of sense, because I know there was a similar trip that my husband made with my five-year-old son to the store and it was a treat for him because he had um, achieved something and my husband had said right as part of your treat I'm giving you x amount and uh, we can go to the store together and you can spend x amount and it's quite interesting with children because when they when he got to the store he he wanted to buy lots of sweets and candy for himself but then he also mm. thought I have my two sisters let me buy something for them and then he started asking and looking at the prices and saying okay if I buy one of this it's going to be hard for us to all share it because it's one but it's just one for me what if I spend my money on more of this and everybody mm. gets to share and like you said it's a simple process where they understand also value for money because like you're saying with your friend's son in buying those three cars for in the on the same two p two pounds the question is how durable were those three cars compared to the one car that cost two absolutely pounds? and so when you look at that and you're slowly building up those conversations and those experiences 
how do you then as a as a parent consciously stop yourself from negative talk about money and when I say negative talk I mean sometimes with parents you're under a lot of stress or something is happening and your child comes and says can I have such and such and at that moment you may not think about it might not register and you you get the the age-old saying money does not grow in trees yes when that happens that can have a negative effect on children how can how can we as parents become more conscious of self-talk to ourselves as well as the way we speak to children about money I think where this starts is, I think, is a little bit of work around on one's with oneself Mm -hmm. on what money messages did I pick up as a child? Unconsciously, no Mm -hmm. one said anything. But what did I observe? Did I hear? uh, Do I recall any sayings in my family like money doesn't grow on trees or never take credit or you know, I recall from my own family, my, my mother always used to say, never leave home without your bus pass, which is her way of saying always have a backup plan. Mm-hmm. So financially, always have a backup plan. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, there are things that we pick up like this. And with your partner, um, you know, the parent, uh, the other parent um, of your child is sort of thinking about and, and what did they pick up? And so it's having that conversation. And so what do we want to take forward? So what have we grown up with? And what would we like, what really worked and helped us? And what would we quite intentionally like to take forward? And what sort of messages would we like to give? Because actually there's a lot, children pick up a lot. And in fact, most of what they pick up is what they observe you do and what they hear you say. Mm -hmm. So... Uh, which is beyond sitting down and actually doing money lessons. So that's a very important place to start. And I think just looking at that, coming back to our own experiences and how they impact how we then share with children, we have to look at success and the hardship of success and how we impart that knowledge without impacting negatively to the children's experience. And what I mean by that is that Usually with wealthy families, some may be at a generation where it's four, five, six generations, and they've had wealth for quite a substantial amount in their time amount of time in their families. But then there's also these families that are coming from the founder is still alive and the next gen are the ones that are preparing to become the stewards of the wealth. And so the founder has a background where they struggled to build the wealth. They went through hardships. And so a lot of the talk around wealth that they may have, or the lot of the talk around money they may have, might be something that comes from their experiences where we were rubbing two pennies together to make sure that the business grows. But now the children have come into a space where the parents have established themselves or they start realizing that, oh, wow, we have many cars and -and so-and-so at school don't have cars. They use public transport or I'm able to go on foreign holidays and -and so-and-so who's my friend can't afford it. How do we get our children to understand as 
founders or success builders that money and wealth has to be worked for. And therefore, after we work for it, this is an opportunity for them to become stewards of the wealth or to add on to the wealth that's already been made. And this is a really important question, uh, Sitsi, that you ask, and one that is very common when you've got um, you know, a very successful founder. Mm-hmm. Um, if the next generations have had the opportunity to observe what went into creating the wealth, the ups and the downs, they may or may not be aware of it. Um, how can that uh, sort of be brought out? And then you have the other situation where the founder, for example, older generations may have come from, as you said, had you know not two pennies to rub together, but through dint of their hard work and um, you know entrepreneurial abilities, you know they were able to to create something quite special and achieve financial success alongside it. Um, that's quite, and and then they think, well, you know. I came from nothing. Why don't my children just understand that? And why don't my children feel the same about money and have that hunger that I had to succeed? Because the flip side of that is, of course, that you've worked all your life um, to give your family, to build something special, of course. And the fruits of that have transformed your family's financial circumstances. And therefore, they can't feel exactly the same because they're not in that position. Mm-hmm. So having said that, how to, how to build this appreciation of wealth? I think there are a couple of things. One is the family uh, strategies. As you know, many families will record their histories Mm-hmm. And when they create family charters or they talk as a family, it doesn't even need to be anything written down. But that storytelling around, you know, what is our family's history? What was the journey that got us here in this generation, the previous generations? That and what are the values and the and the real hard work that got us here? I mean, that makes a big difference. The second thing that really helps in setting context is in philanthropy. And many families that I know will get their children involved in philanthropy from a young age. Mm -hmm. And what that means is not something that is very complicated. It's simply, for instance, at the time of a birthday or a time of a big religious celebration to say, you know, alongside all your presence, here is a cash gift of some amount. It doesn't matter what it is, could be, you know, $10, $20, $50, depends on the age of the the child. Mm -hmm. And this amount is for you to give to a charity of your choice. Mm -hmm. The great thing about the world that we live in is that, you know, people have research and access to information at their fingertips. Even very young children have heard about things that that, that may interest them uh, philanthropically. And so, It's just for them to give to a charity of their choice. All they need to do is to tell you which one and why, uh, why they chose it. And that's a lovely family conversation to have. And I, in families that I've worked with, you see over time, you know, you've got the seven-year-old coming up with, uh, you know, save the donkey, save Mm -hmm. the dolphin. 
Mm -hmm. uh, which are all wonderful causes. And as they progress in age, you suddenly have the same person as a 15 year old thinking about, you know, um, homelessness or, or, or things like that. So, you know, it's, it's, it's a really lovely tradition to have as a family, which you can do every year regularly, you know, and, uh, and it builds a wonderful sense of awareness without having to give any lectures, which we know don't work. Mm. I think um, from just hearing what you're saying, um, what struck a chord with me is that in philanthropy itself, it's a way of, of showing children how to be selfless, firstly, because the money is, is a gift to them, but automatically that gift they have to pass on to someone else. You're teaching them to be selfless. And secondly, you are to a certain extent teaching them about empathy because it takes a lot to sit down and make a decision on who you want to share this gift with and yes. how far that gift will go. And no matter how, and it's, it's surprising enough, children are the most interesting of um, gift givers because they take a lot of time to think about who they want to give something and why it's important for them to give. And mm -hmm. So the, when it comes to philanthropy, how young would this conversation have to start? And when I'm thinking conversation, I'm not really thinking about let's sit down and talk about it, but I'm thinking more of um, creating awareness. Mm -hmm. So I think you can start, you know, remember we talked about the three-year-old uh, with the little piggy bank. By the time they are, you know, let's say six to eight year old, uh, six to eight years old, uh, the one piggy bank could become three jars. So, mm -hmm. and those three jars could be, you know, a jar to save, to spend, and to share. Mm -hmm. And I use the word share advisedly because it could be, you know, to share to buy a gift for a sibling. It mm -hmm. could be uh, to share. You know, when I go to my place of worship and I wish to, you know, drop some money into the collection tin, it could be I wish to share, um, you know, through a gift to a uh, to a charitable cause. So um, I think that's a that's a very early and nice way. And it's also a great way to teach uh, cash management. So you give them a sum of pocket money. They have to decide themselves how much they put into each jar. I think the real resistance factor where parents must resist, um, and I certainly had to as well in my own case, mm -hmm. is to not try and say, oh, maybe you should do a bit more here, a bit more there. No, let them choose. Mm -hmm. And actually just encourage them to take that personal responsibility and to make those personal choices, mm -hmm. um, which I think is a great place to, uh, to go with this. And I like how you said personal choices. Like you said, it's very difficult to resist getting involved, especially when you see your child. You want to be part of that decision-making because you naturally want to be the guide or the person who shows them the right thing to do. How important is it for children to form their own wealth personality and their own relationship with money? I think that's... I mean, I would say this, I think that's really important and it's all part of them um, developing a sense of autonomy and owning 
what that responsibility means. Mm-hmm. Um, responsibility uh, with money is not a spectator sport. You have to actually be given responsibility and actually take responsibility in order to be responsible. Often I've heard parents say, well, I would give my children a bit more money. This isn't by, the, by this time now they're in their 20s. If only they could prove that they were responsible. Mm-hmm. Well, how will they prove that they're responsible if they don't have actual responsibility? Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe we can touch on a couple of things. One is, you know, whether it's a young child and you've got the three jars. Um, for a slightly older child, for instance, let's say 11 to 13, you could think of a debit card, not a credit card, but giving them a debit card. So when they get their pocket money, they can then see uh, use the debit card to manage their own bank account. Mm-hmm. Um, and they can. there's something, there's a lesson in, as, as we would know as well, what it feels like when your bank account is full and what it feels like when it's empty because you've spent it. So mm-hmm. kind of feeling those things themselves uh, uh, is, is important. Mm-hmm. Um, you can match fund their savings. Um, there are lots of sort of interesting things like that. Uh, to do when it comes to investing older children again you're talking about you know 16 17 18 plus um, you could give them a certain discrete uh, amount of money to uh, to think about investments and that could start with what they like to consume you know what do they see happening in the world around them so in a very simple way you could teach some lessons around that so your role as a parent is of a coach mm-hmm. but you don't take over. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I'm just thinking from what you're saying, like um, there is always that temptation as a parent when you send a, your child to go and buy something or if they ask for something to just hand them over this plastic card that has no actual value in terms of when we grew up, you would count the notes one by one and feel the weight of money. Now it just comes, it's, it's convenient for carrying money, yes, when it's on the card, but it doesn't really give the true value when you see the digital amount or you see a plastic card as much as you would um, when you feel, like you said, the value of, oh, I have $10 and, oh, I have $10,000. So just understanding money to that level is really important. How do we then consciously not use plastic as a way of substituting the lesson? Yes, I think because of the plastic, uh, so the plastic has brought a lot of convenience Mm -hmm. uh, to our lives, undoubtedly. Mm -hmm. Uh, The second, I think, thing that has changed uh, is that you can now get things instantly. Mm -hmm. You want to eat something from a particular restaurant today, you can order it and someone will deliver it. Mm -hmm. You want something off a shop, an online shop, that's fine. You order it today, you'll get it tomorrow. Mm-hmm. It's not like, oh, I need to go and get a library book and I need to see whether it's available. Then I've got to wait for it. You know, th- so all we are, we are in an instant world mm-hmm. and that poses a lot of opportunities. But as you can see, when it comes to money, a lot of challenges as well. Mm-hmm. So as you say, how do you we have to therefore intentionally 
recreate this um, because there are important lessons around deferred gratification. There are important lessons around consequences, um, which I think you were alluding to when you count the notes and you see them going up and down, you see the consequences of your actions. Mm -hmm. So how can we recreate those sense of consequences? So it could be as, uh, as we talked about earlier, a debit card. Mm -hmm. If they've run out of money and they wish to borrow, then it's following through with, um, you know, that it is that they're borrowing, they have to pay you back and following through with that. Though it's the easiest thing to just let it go. But the not good thing about just letting it go is that you don't learn consequences. Mm -hmm. And, and these are all important later in life. I mean, you take larger loans, you know, you've got to pay it back. You learn that, learn that early. And whatever one's um, um, level of wealth, uh, that's an important sort of life skill uh, mm -hmm. to learn. So it's having to recreate this sort of practically. Yes, and you, you touched on an important point where um, I've always said that we are um, fast food generation where we want to order from one window and collect in mm. the next window. And we have no appreciation of the process that goes into preparing and into then having the meal that you're going to have, that's whether it's gonna fill you up or not, but that patience of waiting. How do we then um, impart stewardship? Because obviously when a substantial amount of money has been built up, there is an essence of you would like whatever business it is or source of wealth that you have built to be able to take care of your children, your grandchildren, and keep on being a source of wealth to your family going into the unknown future. How do you then teach children? In some cases, you might have entrepreneurial children who decide to also start their own businesses and add on to the wealth of the family. But then in mm -hmm. some cases, you might have children who have to stand as stewards of this wealth. And stewards not just protect, protecting the, the wealth that has been created, but also protecting the wealth that continues to be created by the family. And like you said, start nurturing them early, start having conversations with them early, giving them examples with their early. How do you start imparting stewardship early on? I think that without complicating um, children's lives uh, hugely, mm -hmm. um, I think it's talking about what values of the family. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's a really important um, um, conversation to have. And philanthropy can provide the, uh, the forum Mm. around which to discuss values uh, because your your values kind of very much support um, your interest in, in different philanthropic causes. Mm -hmm. For older children, I'm talking now 18, 21, that sort of age, mm -hmm. where, you know, whether you've told them about the wealth or they've read about it in the newspaper, let's assume that they have a reasonable understanding, even if not of the specific figures, that generally they do, they are aware Mm -hmm. uh, certainly from their lifestyle potentially as well, uh, that there is wealth in the family. And I think it's about, so you use the word steward, and that's a lovely word. Um, it's different from being a beneficiary. Mm -hmm. So if I think of myself as a beneficiary, 
it means there is something and I benefit from it. Mm -hmm. When I see my role as a steward, it is a more action-oriented role. It is I may benefit from it, but I have a responsibility to the next generation. Mm -hmm. I have a responsibility to pass it on in as good a condition, if not better, to the next generation. So that's what stewardship means. So I've got to be thinking about, therefore, what am I taking and what am I adding mm -hmm. and what am I nurturing um, in order for that uh, to come about? So those are the three dimensions um, I, I would consider. Brilliant. Thank you so, so much, Maya, for sharing with us today. And I, I love this conversation. I loved the different dynamics we managed to explore and the different age groups we managed to touch on, especially with children. Is there any additional tidbits, words of wisdom you'd like to give our listeners today with regards to walking the journey of wealth with their children and being able to pass it on to their grandchildren? Yeah, if I can just sort of summarize in, uh, in, in three, three points, mm -hmm. uh, what, what I would suggest. So things to do. One is think about the role model that you are. Mm -hmm. What would you like to role model? What money values would you like to role model? Um, and this may mean, as we discussed earlier, going back to thinking about what did I inherit, but now what do I want to role model going forward? Mm -hmm. um, the second is some pick up some day-to-day -day teaching opportunities. It's not like you need to do a big course and it needs to be a hassle or, gosh, every Saturday morning now we've got to do this. No, you know, day-to-day -day teaching opportunities around borrowing, saving, making financial choices. You can use shopping trips, holidays, philanthropy, so many of those tools um, to, to make them day-to-day -day teaching and learning opportunities and coaching, I should say, coaching opportunities. Mm -hmm. And finally, I would say, um, give real responsibility. Uh, it's a practiced art. Responsibility is an active verb. It's a practiced art, mm -hmm. whether it's with the, the debit card, the savings jar, investing, philanthropy, and honor their choices. They will evolve, they will grow, and it's a delight to see that change and evolve, but honor their choices. I love that, honor their choices. Thank you so, so much, Maya. I appreciate your time today. My pleasure, great to speak to you, thank you.